welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Amen. Amen. I want you to remain standing. Give me some more in the fullbacks, just a little more in the fullbacks. Um, Open up your Bibles for me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. All right. I think y'all can read with me this time. One, two, three, read. Now unto him who is able to do, keep going. Uh huh. In Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. I would like to talk about in this time and tag this text the God of the upgrade. The God of the upgrade. Let's go before the Lord God Almighty. Lord God, you are our God and you are the one who charts our journey. And God, I pray that as you chart our journey, that we would walk our journey with you confidently and let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. You may be seated. The God of the upgrade. We, um, I know we're in graduating season and so many um, students are graduating. Let's give all of our students, God, give, give, give them a hand praise for... Got a hand praise for their season. My son is graduating, and I know a, a lot of other people are graduating during the season. And so a season like that or any other type of season or even transitional season that you're going through or the desire to transition is always filled with dreaming. Somebody say dreaming. Oh, man. With this our first Sunday back, and y'all can say dreaming. That don't sound, that's, that sound like dead folk right there. Uh, 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 let me hear you say dreaming. God, 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 God doesn't mind. How many of you know that God doesn't mind if you dream? I, I want you to free yourself today because God has no uh, uh, issue with us dreaming. The issue isn't with dreaming. The issue with is with what we dream and what's the motivation for it. And, and one of the things that I believe that we need to expand our vision for and our theology in is being invited to dream big because your dream uh, should always match God's heart, God's glory, and God's purpose. Let me say that again. God's, God's heart, God's glory, and God's purpose. And, 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 so, and so it's very important for us that we would begin to, uh, as we want to get into different seasons, that we begin journaling and being passionate about seeing great things happen in our life. You should be optimistic about your life. Uh, uh, you, you shouldn't be down on your life. The reason why is because my Bible tells me that he came to give me life and life more abundantly. And because he came to give me life and life more abundantly, you have to be careful of letting the struggles of your life strain the vision and dreams and desires that God wants in your life. Now, this is not a motivational sermon. I'm telling you right now, it's a deeply gospel sermon. It's not your, 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 your run-of-the-mill usual purpose sermons. It's just one of those things that wants to help you to have a more biblical and optimistic outlook on life and what God has for you. You should be passionate about it. You should be pursuing about it. You should be studying about it. You should be learning about it. You should be praying about it. You should be developing about it. You should get more and more depth in what God is framing and shaping in your life. That's why the Bible says the plans of a good man are established by the Lord. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but God orders his steps. The, uh, so, so, so in other words, the, there's an expectation that there's planning. And so interestingly enough, this passage uh, 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 packaged here in this text is one of those passages that's an invitation to dream. But even before Paul gets to it, this is really a hinge passage in the book. 
Because in chapter 1 of Ephesians, uh, he begins with his theology that gives him the framework to even get to this point that he's at right now. Uh, it, it says in chapter 1 that God the Father, uh, he, he chooses us. God the Son, he saves us. And God the Spirit, he seals us. And then it goes from there to talking about the depth of intimacy that he wants us to have in order to open up our eyes and our understanding to be illumined to the depths of the scriptures. <clears throat> then chapter 2 begins to talk about how messed up we were because he talked about the fact that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. In other words, uh, uh, getting saved isn't you seeking after God, it's God seeking after you. He said we were sons of Satan, sons of the devil, uh, sons of perdition, sons and daughters of perdition. But then it says in chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift of God that no man should boast, meaning that only way you got saved was not any meritorious work of your own, but it was the meritorious work of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And then it goes from there and it does something interesting. It says, we are his workmanship in verse 10, created in Christ Jesus for good works beforehand that we should walk in them. I wish I had time to spend on that. But it's interesting that before you got saved, God created good works for you. He's just waiting for you to walk in them. In other words, God has already charted your journey with, you don't have to go trick-or-treating to get treats. God has some treats waiting on your journey for you, waiting on the road impact. That's why you got to walk with God, family, because there's some stuff waiting on you that God wants to give you that your walk with God turns you towards. I love that word, the fact that that word says it, it, we are his workmanship. It means masterpiece. Picasso don't have nothing on what God has created in you. The dark cause has nothing on what God has created on you. No, no painting, no type of artistic design, because God not only made us as an artistic creation, he made us to be creative. And in making us to be creative, he gave us the ability to dream. Dreaming is a part of the creative genius in God working its way into your life to work its way out of your life. Dreaming isn't asking God to join you in what you want to do. Dreaming is the ability to be aligned with God and aligning your passions with God to do what you were artistically created to do. Chapter 3, he begins to go through and tell us the fact that the church was the mystery of God. And, and he begins, in telling us that we're the mystery of God, he wants us to preach the rulers and authorities as we preach the gospel to people. People get saved, rulers and authorities are no longer over them anymore. Then he gets here and he gets so happy in the middle of the book and he takes a parenthetical pause. Paul's take a parenthetical Pentecostal pause as he puts down his pen in his pericope. And what he does right here is he begins to put down the feather. Now, you got to understand, Paul isn't writing this in a tower. Oh, y'all ain't with me. Paul isn't writing this in an office filled with books. He's not writing this at an ivory desk. Listen, Paul isn't writing, writing this with hardwood floors in a new industrialized, shabby, chic place in Center City. What he is writing this is out of a prison. In other words, he's writing the fact that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think from a prison. Now, if anything, he should be frustrated and depressed. Now, you got to know that, that his prison wasn't like our prisons that gave you three squares a day. It was a pretty rough prison. As a matter of fact, not only was he in prison, he was in prison for something that he didn't do. So he has the right to be angry because of why he's in prison. He has the right to be angry because he's in prison. He has the be, right to be frustrated because of his condition. But he did not let his condition get in the way of his dreaming. Now unto him. And so... What we see here is a beautiful fusion of a passion for somebody to not let their circumstances stamp out what God is able to do. What are you going through that you began to shut down the creative faculties of what God wants to do in and through you? As a matter of fact, some of the best creativity comes in a crucible. Hell be today. And so some of your best stuff comes when you're frustrated. Some of your best stuff comes when they left you. Some of your best stuff comes when it's economically tight. Some of your best stuff comes, matter of fact, God comes in your life best 
when you don't feel like and think you have anything to give and then all of a sudden under the oil press of his anointing he presses some stuff through you I wish I had about two or three people that's ever been in something and you thought it was all over in your life but all of a sudden somehow the, the, the creative juices started flowing I know I'm by myself I'm excited because I need constant encouragement from the Lord so this brings me to my first point first point the God of the upgrade number one unhandcuff your dreams you have to unhandcuff your dreams. Now, 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 now many of you think you, you just need to dream bigger. But Paul, what I like about what Paul is about to say is Paul is about to let you know that your dreams are never connected to what you think you can cause to accomplish and happen. It's key. He starts it off before he even talks about praying big prayers. He says, now unto him. <laughs> I wish I had me a Pentecostal Baptist church in here. The church mothers would have been standing up with their fans looking at me like I was crazy. Now, now one to him. But see, some of y'all don't, 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 don't know and y'all don't kind of have any type of framework for, for enjoying that because you don't know who him is. And every now and then you got to remind or introduce believers to who him is. Him is the one who stepped out on nothing, called into nothing, and something had to obey. He brought Israel out of slavery. He challenges our triumphs. He decreed your salvation. He decreed Christ to die. Matter of fact, he's, he, he's, he's, he's Abraham's ram. He's Adam's redeemer. He, 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 he's, he's Joshua's battle axe. In other words, he's all out, everything and everything. He's Matthew's uh, king. He's Mark's suffering servant. He's Luke's son of God, a son of man, and he's John's son of God. If you ever had anybody, if anything in your life to recognize who God is, you should have been with me right there, but maybe that don't get you. He's heart fixer, mind regulator. Uh, oh, he, he's a healer. You can't dream until you know who he is. Because when you're empowered by who he is, you handcuff what you think he can do. Matter of fact, or what you think can be done. Some of you, God is calling you to some stuff, and you're already doing the calculations. God, how that's going to work? Listen, God, listen, listen, listen. You ever went to dinner with somebody? He's met you. I remember we was in seminary. And, um, you know, it's tight in seminary, grad school. And um, we went to dinner. Now, I didn't know what the restaurant was until we got there. Mm. I got there, and I had never been to a restaurant that didn't have prices on the menu. Um... It's one of those places, if you got to ask, you shouldn't even be in that joint. You know? You, you know, I was like, it just said market. It said MKT. I didn't even know what that was. I said, what is MKT? Is that like a, a Roman number or something? I'll, I'll try to figure it out. And I'm sitting there like, dang, man. They ordering, they started ordering appetizers, yakaoisms everywhere. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I may need to drink the water. Tell them, you know, I'm fasting. You know, I'm with the Lord right now. And so I said, um, yeah, man, um, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm probably going. And they was like, hey, what's wrong? I was like, you know, I'm good. And they looked at me, and what, what, they didn't try to embarrass me because they knew what was going on. They said, nah, we got you. Order what you want. I said, order what I want? I said, Get, Garcon, Garcon, come here, Garcon. I started, my whole Steve's changed up. I, I was like, Garcon, come here, bring me some of that lobster, bring me some of them, them shrimp cocktails, give me the ba da 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 In other words, because there was someone with me that had more than I had, I didn't have handcuffs on what I could ask for. Why? Because the person with me said they got you. When you got God on your side, listen, you got a blank check on your side. You don't have the limitations that you think you have. If it was based on what you had in the bank, if it was based on what your mental capacity was, if it was based on your endurance you would have nothing but when God is the one refreshing you and developing you and nurturing you and pushing you along the way he can do more than you could ever do so now one to him to him him you you gotta you gotta you gotta have some him in you 
You you gotta you gotta see you run to you run. That's why the psalmists always started their prayers out with adoration and praise, because adoration and praise magnifies the massivity of God before you get to asking Him for stuff. Because if you just get to asking for stuff without acknowledging in your soul who He is, you'll limit what you ask. But when you start off your prayer, that's why we was taught in Sunday. See, some of y'all who've been to Sunday school, you taught adoration and praise, confession and repentance. Uh, 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 and then after that, what's that? Prayer and petition. That's where we went from there. Amen. That's what we saw. That's what we saw. And, and praise and thanksgiving, that's why we begin the service off with praise and worship. Because it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a doxological uh, 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 a disposition by which we allow the liturgy of worship and praise to, 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 to spew the atmosphere and the, mace the atmosphere with the glory of God so that the, the, the ministry of everything else will flow under the presence of God. Is your life filled with knowing who he is? And see, you know you're weak in knowing who he is. If when it's time to give him some adoration and praise and you only got a few things to say. And let me let me just encourage you to do something. Get up your praise and worship dialogue. You, you got to know that he's majestic. You got to know that he's omniscient. You got to know that he's omnipotent. You got to know that he's full of grace. You got to know that he's abundant in loving kindness. You got to know that he's just. You got to know that he's your all and your all. When you begin to learn how to talk to God and know the intricacies of who he is, it magnifies the massivity of his glory in your life. Some of us have to, God is, listen, some of us have a little God. Now, God is already big, but in your mind, he's small. Because God is from everlasting to everlasting, your mind is really, your, your, your walk with God is expanding to how big he is. In other words, you and I have to constantly work through, can God do it? The reason why we even ask that question is because in our mind, God is a certain size. But what's the, the beautiful thing about God is God doesn't even let our size quotient get in the way of how massive he is and what he can do in our life. That's why Paul says now unto him, because he knows that the situation that he's in is a tight situation, but he knows that the God he serves is bigger than his situation. And so he says, now unto him but then he goes from there who is able stop right there who is able now we, we're not just talking about who him is now we talk about what he does because because if you, you you can't just know who he is somebody can have the title all they want but the question is do their works match their title. <laughs> I've heard many fighters getting some fights and they, 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 I mean, they can promote a fight. You ever seen a dude f promoting a fight? I seen a dude get up in a dude face and he was all doing like this, putting his fist on his forehead. He had tats all on his face. He's looking crazy. Got in the ring. Everybody said, this dude is going to kill this dude. Three seconds in, dude is sleep. He did all of that talking based on position and a belt, but really didn't have the skills to back up that title. Our God has all the titles and he has all the skills to back up his talk. And that's the beauty of knowing God is that God, listen, listen, listen. It says who is able. The word there is dunamis. It's the word, the word for able here is the word for power. Which, which points to God's omnipotence. God is all powerful. Oh, you, I wish I could just rest there for 30 minutes. He's all powerful. Now, 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 the reason why him being all powerful is important is because there will be times in your life when you're moving forward and what you believe God called you to do, what you're dreaming God wants you to do, and what God planned for you to do, where you will experience roadblocks. I guarantee you there is nothing you will do in life that won't be filled with roadblocks. You'll have financial roadblocks. You'll have board roadblocks. 
You'll have neighborhood roadblocks. You'll have people roadblocks. You'll have financial roadblocks. You'll have all kinds of roadblocks. And I've, one of the things I'm learning and continuing to learn is the roadblock is an opportunity for you to recognize and implement faith in God's ability to overcome that particular obstacle. Listen, if, if, if you ever, listen, in your life, guarantee it, there are going to be things on your road that will position you to short circuit your faith. But as a believer in Christ, you have to have the capacity and the ability to recognize that God is able, even in the midst of natural inability. I remember they told my wife and I, we would never have any kids. I remember that. I remember that. Matter of fact, they told us to abort him. They said, because her body can't take a baby in her. So in order to save her life, abort him. And my wife said, I'll die before I do that. The doctor looked at us like we was crazy. And, um, and, 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 and you know, when you hear kind of reports from people, you know, you, you, your heart flutters and then, then this is the bad thing you do. You start getting on the internet. And then you begin, <clears throat> then you begin spending all this time about people who have this, what usually happens, then the list just go red, just all this negative stuff. And then next thing you know, you take an anxiety medicine because you don't know what in the world you done got, your, you done looked up this and you done looked up that. Now you done got on YouTube. YouTube would just start. You get on YouTube and somebody, some doctor with a white jacket on talking about what the usual statistics are. And you hearing all of this stuff with the statistics are and what the research is from the PhDs and from the MDs and from the, from the nurse practitioners and from the experience. Then you hear testimonies of people who lost somebody and you just got your mind all wrapped up in faithlessness. And then we had to say, we, it was times we had to say, babe, let's turn this off. This is not doing us any good. And, 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 and so what we began to do is we said in the place of investing in our hearts and mind, that doesn't mean don't know what's going on with yourself medically, but you can't be so invested in what can't happen that you can't trust God for what will happen. And they said all of this stuff was going to happen to him. He's going to have Down syndrome and all of this stuff. Then he ends up coming out and he was in Nick unit for, 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 for six weeks. And what I did during that six week period with all the tubes in his body, I would go up there before work, during lunch period after work and at night, and I would pray over him four times a day with my hands on him because they said he may not survive. They talked about how he was, and I just kept going to the hospital. But somehow, this Friday, he gonna be 19 years old. <laughs> he gonna be 19 years old. So 19 years ago, they told me he wouldn't survive, but he's sitting here in his right mind and in health because we said now unto him yeah you better you better stop you better stop letting you be, I'm telling y'all some of y'all have locked your minds away because of some folk tale somebody told you but let me tell you something God ain't finished with what he wants to do in your life God isn't finished with the breakthroughs that he wants to give you. God isn't finished with everything he wants to bring your way because he loves to do stuff that's out of the ordinary to show us that he's better than the natural. That's what he loves to do. Listen, listen, let me, let me, let me tell you something. Everything God calls you to do, you need supernatural resilience for. <laughs> If, if you don't learn how to have some type of resilience, that resilience comes from looking at the eternal one himself, who is the most merciful and truthful and powerful one. Now unto him, and then it says, I like this, this next part, who is able? Able. Point two, upgrade our prayer capacity. We have to upgrade our prayer capacity. Look at what it says. To do above and beyond all we ask or think. The, 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 the word there in the Greek is the word means super abundant. <laughs> now, every now and then, Paul has to almost make up a word because there's really no word to talk about how God does stuff. 
So he had to he he had to kind of he had to kind of work this phrase out. Super, he now unto him who does super abundant. Now, he did, it didn't say a, a lot of us add a word in here. A lot of us say now unto him was able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask. That's not in the text. Any translation. We we always add that can. That's that's key to remove that because. He says, now unto him who is able to do far, uh, to do above and beyond all we ask or think. In other words, God only upgrades what you actually ask. God doesn't upgrade silence. God doesn't upgrade thoughts. God upgrades what you open your mouth and say to him. Hear me today. <laughs> in other words, God has in his economy a mechanism to exp He loves to expand what we tend to not necessarily believe he can expand or even expect him to expand. When he says ask or think, he says, listen, <laughs> what you are able to ask me or able to think in your mind I can do well above that. In other words, some, some translation says imagine. God loves it because when he upgrades what we ask or think or imagine, it actually upgrades our understanding of who he is. Remember, it's now unto him because now the, the purpose of God answering these type of prayers is not for you to get the thing and be wild by what he gave you. Please hear me. The purpose of it, listen, is for you to have a bigger hymn in your mind. That's the purpose of it, to have a larger and a bigger hymn in your mind so that you and I can take off all of the limitations that we will have in our mind to expand our gospel vision. That's what God wants to do. God wants to God wants to add some stuff to the to 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 the to to the deal for you because I don't know if Paul uh, saw all that will become of the church globally now. Do you think when he was sitting in that prison cell? Do you think that when he was lonely at the end of his life in Second Timothy chapter four and he was alone and he he just he asked for a few things: bring me some books, bring me a, a Bible, and bring me my cloak. He said, "Everybody has left me." Can you imagine the depressed man that's about to go to Rome to be beheaded because he appealed to Caesar? What is in his mind of the scope of things? He wrote 13 letters of the New Testament. One of the largest writers of the New Testament had to get shepherded through depression by one of his disciples in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6. Do you think he would ever think that because of his ministry, globally 2,000 years later, people would be preaching and reading from a letter that he preached? He could have never seen that ever in his mind. He was just hoping maybe the churches that I've sent this to could get this. But God did above all he could ask a thing by making his writing generational. <laughs> Listen to me. You don't know some of the stuff God's going to do through you, family you're not going to see the fruit of all of it. Some of the stuff, some of the seed, that's why you can't stop sowing into people. Because you don't know what God is up to. So, only people that, that's into this can really hear me. There's some stuff that, that, that you, because see, it's nothing worse than wanting something for someone more than they want for themselves. One, one and, four, and, and they can't get it and you're wondering whether or not they will ever get it and God says my arm too short I don't have Tyrannosaurus Rex arms family you know my arms ain't like that I got a long arm I can pull people out of some stuff and so we got to recognize that our God is powerful I mean he's powerful he's powerful and he always upgrades I, uh, because I can't eat this stuff I have to do an illustration about it um, God likes to upgrade like this. So, so my wife and I, one of our favorite restaurants used to be Osteria on Broad Street. This is one of our favorite restaurants. And we went in there and, 
you know, we ordering our little stuff. And um, I didn't know this is how certain Italian restaurants on a certain level work. They'll just bring stuff out. They'll just bring stuff out. I'm like, I ain't order that. They was like, no, sir. Compliments of the chef. I was like, ah, okay, okay, okay. Riva Dirty to you too, brother. I don't know. So he gone and lay it out. And I'm like, what is this? He said, oh, oh, oh. This here is a, is a light and fluffy. Um, it, it's, 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 a, it's a delectable uh, a sort of pasta. It's ravioli. He, I like the way he rolled the tongue. Ravioli. Then he said, inside of it is uh, some, some sieged uh, butternut squashed. I was like, but, butternut squashed? And ravioli. And then he said, then we took some drawn butter. Mm. And what we did was we took salt and we took pepper and we took a little bit of sage. And then, then we take it and melt it and run it all over the raviolis. I was like, sage, pasta, raviolis. And we, 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 look, we looking at it. And then we say, how in the world can they put something together? In my mind, it don't go together. And this actually tastes good. So I slid the fork up under that joint. I looked at it. It was almost see-through. I tasted it. And I put the fork down. And stuff in my uh, sensible palate began to explode. As the, I mean, as the pasta laid on my tongue, it began to dissolve into different areas. I, I got the sweet. I got the savory. I got the umami, you understand what I'm saying? It was just ministering to my palate and I said, how in the world can you take this and put, he said, who thinks of this? He said, oh, a good chef. I said, I got me a sermon right there. Some stuff in your life, you don't know how it can go together, how the mess over here and the challenges over here and the pain over here can work things out. But what God does as the chef in your life is he'll take that situation, he'll take that hurt, and he'll take this here, and he'll pull out his pot of tricks. And what he'll do is he'll drop it in there, and he'll begin mixing some stuff together and working some stuff together, and he'll hand it to you. And it'll look weird at first, but when you begin to taste and see... That the Lord is good. God, listen. <coughs> Some of your hardest seasons. <laughs> Double entendre. Bars. Um, Some of your hardest seasons is where you get your best seasons. <laughs> Y'all gonna get that on the way home. <laughs> Some of your best seasoning come in your worst seasons. God is always working and he's always as powerful in your light times as he is your dark times. The issue is your perspective of God changed. God hasn't changed. That's when the Bible says that he's the same today and forevermore. What, what does this point us to? That our prayers have to have multiple components. When we look at this whole idea of the way God works when he says, now when he was able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think, <clears throat> We have to recognize that prayer has four signs. And this is not all of them, but I select. Number one, prayer is a sign of seriousness. How serious are you? If you don't pray, you're not serious. James 5, 16, it says, the effectual, fervent prayers of the, that's serious. That's not, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your blessings and your mercy. God, we thank you for, what, that, that's some old, See, see, you, you got to have some prayer where you zoom in. You know, you know, see, see, I used to didn't understand why the old church, when we get in the room and they say, let us pray. And everybody dropped their head and closed their eyes. And, 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 and this old, I can't remember this old chocolate deacon with the fuzzy white hair at First Baptist Church of Highland Park. We was at the young adult meeting. And, 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 and the deacon was in there. You know, he was a real deacon, not a not a deacon. He was a deacon. And he said, he said, he said, 
when he was getting ready to pray, he went through all of these exercises like he was stretching. You know, he, he, he said, hmm. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a new believer, so I'm looking like, what's happening? I, I, I was like, this finna be long. You know, I'm looking like this. Going, and he's breathing. He says, oh, God. Oh, my God. See? That means he's there. Like, that's, that's, like, like, he, 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 he was, I'm in his prayer now. Oh, God, thank you. He's, oh, God of our salvation. God, thank you for this day. Oh, God. And the rumblings of his breath and the time that he took let me know he wasn't putting on a show. He was just an, in there was just an extension of how he'd already been with God. <laughs> and, and, and when you've been in God's presence, you take his presence. Oh, I got to move. Serious. Next, next is prayer is a sign of dependence. Second Chronicles 20. <laughs> prayer is a sign of dependence. Uh, the, the Bible talks about the fact that Jehoshaphat prayed. He prayed and he went before God <coughs> and God jumped in. <clears throat> so it's a sign of seriousness and it's a sign of dependence. It's you letting God know that you know that he already knows that you can't do it without him. <laughs> prayer is a reminder that you need God. And whenever you do anything without prayer, you are being prideful. <clears throat> Even if you know how to do it in your sleep, you should still pray about it. Because <laughs> there's some runners on the track that even though they were fast and good runners, did catch a hamstring out of nowhere. As good as they were. Ain't nobody going to talk back. <laughs> prayer is a sign of commitment. Jesus says, Lord, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but thy will be done. It's, 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 a, it's a sign of commitment that whatever God, because sometimes what you're praying is good, but it's not what God's going to do. And sometimes God's, when you say let your will be done, I remember somebody when I was, when I was hanging with my, some, some of my certain friends, they was, and, I, and I was praying, and I prayed if your will be done. Ah, I don't receive that. I was like, why you don't receive? I need you to pray specific, amen, man of God, about this thing. And I was like, let me tell you something. Jesus prayed like that. So we pray what we want, but we know that God kind of sees a little bit bigger than us. And because he kind, I mean, you know, I don't know. You know, he can see past, present, and future simultaneously and, and everything actual and potential. If you'd have went to this school, he'd have known your track. If you'd have went to that school, he'd know your track. If you'd have went to this job, he'd know what your life would have been like. If you'd have married that person, he'd know what the thing was. He, listen, in every scenario of your life, he knows. Matter of fact, he knows how many hairs are on your head. Matter of fact, he, know, he knows you so well that even with your, you getting your split ends trim and your L and your, and your beard trim, he knows how many hairs you've lost with the hairs that you got at the same time and can number them without counting and without a thought. That's how much he knows. So I say, thy will be done because I know that even though I'm asking this, you have a better framework for what I need in my life. And God knows better. So praying God's will is really a prayer of commitment. See, I got an amen over there. Amen. Prayer also is a sign of power. Acts 4.31. It says, and when they all were in that place, they began to pray and were all filled with the Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Listen, that, that's, that's how this works. That prayer is a sign of seriousness. <laughs> prayer is a sign of dependence. <laughs> and, 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 and prayer is a sign of commitment and prayer is a sign of power. That's why you can never give up on anything. Because some of you have some leftover stuff that God wants to do some stuff with, and you've given up on it because he hasn't done it in your time. I remember my wife and I uh, went and we saw that we went to a thrift shop, you know, and we saw this beautiful furniture, beautiful furniture for my daughter. But it smelled like smoke. And I was like, we can't get that. That joint gonna smell like an ashtray in her room, right? And my mother-in-law said, don't worry about it. I said, what you mean don't worry about it? She said, 
go get some white vinegar. I was like, okay. She said, go get some bowls. Now, you know, this is some mystical South stuff, you know. They be knowing, even though my mom and them was like that. Pour the vinegar in the bowls, put it in the drawers, close it. I said, what that gonna do? She said, oh, white vinegar is able to absorb all of the smoke smell and help it to redistribute and get its natural smell back. I said, oh my goodness. She said, so that's a beautiful piece, but don't give up on that piece because there's still good in it. You just gotta put the right stuff in it to pull the bad stuff out so that you can restore it to what it was supposed to be. That's what God does with your dreams and that's what he does with things in your life. Some stuff that you've given up on, it's not that it's bad, it's just filled with some bad fragrances. But if you put God's word in it, if you put faith in God in through it, and then what will happen, it will absorb the stuff out of it and it will be absolutely usable again to the glory of God. Listen. What are you dreaming, family? What are some of your dreams that, you, that you've locked in with the word of God and you develop what I call gospel dreams? You know, centered on Jesus and an eternal reality, Colossians 3. Understanding the gaps, Acts 17, that there's a gap between where things are and where God wants them to be. And not only that, flowing from experience, the power to work in the gospel in your own life. What are some of my dreams? I mean, let me tell you some of mine. Some of my dreams is that my family would flourish in their relationship with Jesus. That my wife would experience the health and life output she always dreamed of. That my children won't let limitations stop them. These are the type of things that I'm praying. That Epiphany would be a faithful church on all fronts. That God would spark a cross ethnic kingdom revival and lead millions together in Jesus to disciple them and grow them. That's what I'm dreaming about. And, and this, this is a side note. I'm dreaming even now. I, I think about y'all. I dream that every black woman that wants to be married will get both a man with heavenly depth and personal preferences. That's what I'd be praying. Now, now, I can take it off the list if y'all want me to, but um, that's the type of, I dream of that because, you know, I get a lot of chatter. Amen. So we as believers must recognize this and we must begin to pull together and begin to be a church that dreams, that wants to see our souls change and want to see generations change. Why do I say that? Because of what the text says. It says in the latter part of verse 21, it says, to him be glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever and ever. Um, I can tell you that God is into doing exceeding above all you ask or think. I'm just letting you know that right now. Um, I can remember um, when I was growing up in school and I was in all remedial classes. I, I can remember it. I can remember the teacher telling my mom that Eric just can't learn. I can, and I was standing there. Like I, I, can, I know some of y'all may have heard this story. I mean, literally, her, Eric just can't learn. He's a nice kid, but he just can't learn. And that record followed me all the way through school. And then when I got in college, I don't know what happened, kind of like this little switch turned on. And I started liking education more. And I, I started doing better to the point that by the time I graduated, I took 21 credits in the fall of my uh, so, a senior year and, and, and 19 credits in the spring and got a 3.5. Never thought I could do it. Never thought it, it was in it. Then I go to grad school, which I didn't know how I was gonna get in grad school. And I said, man, I, when I saw one, one class had 5,000 pages, I said, don't you know that I got other stuff to do, to read? Paper, 34, I remember they had us write a 34-page paper, half in Greek, half in English. I was like, I, 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 don't, I don't know how this is going to be done. Somehow it got done. Graduated. I said, I'm done. God called me to get a doctor. I'm not bragging. I'm just talking about God. Next thing I know, doctor, then next thing they said, you got to write 100 
and something page document for a dissertation. I was like, what? I was, I was, I was doing all right with the 20-page Jones. Somehow got through it. And I said, when I'm finished this, I'm just going to do ministry, and I'll write a sermon, maybe a curriculum, but I'm done with writing. And the next thing I know, manhood restored is in my book cavity. Next thing I know, be God to the punch. I'm done. Next thing I know, unleashed. Next thing I know, woke church. Next thing I know, urban apologetics. Next thing I know, this fall, a Nehemiah commentary is coming out. Next spring, a Second Corinthians commentary is coming out. Why am I saying that? I would have never seen in myself the ability to do any of that. But when you lay your life before God and you let him chart the journey based on the glory of his perfections and how big he is, you stop looking at your capacity and start looking at his capacity and you can press through the walls of the limitations that you have placed on you. The greatest limitations, let me tell you something. God doesn't have limitations on you. You got limitations on you. And so if a guy that was in remedial classes can see some books written, some of y'all are way smarter than me anyway. And you still got locks and shackles and handcuffing the holy. I'm believing for you that God will do exceeding, that God would do abundantly, that God would do above all you ask or think according to the power that's at work within you. Don't sell God short because of what you're able to do. <laughs> Invest your heart and mind in what God is able to do in your life. Father God, we thank you. We honor you that you are, I mean, God, it's, it, it doesn't make any kind of sense how you constantly work in our lives. It's, sometimes it's, it's unbelievable to, to realize that, Lord God, you can challenge and strengthen and break through in our lives and spaces where we've had a funeral. Many of us have had a funeral for so many things in our life. Lord, and maybe you're here today or under the sound of my voice and you've never placed your confidence in Jesus. God wants you to know that there's no way. Some of us think too lowly of ourselves. Some of us think too high. You think too high of yourself if you think you can get to God on your own. You think too low for, of yourself if you don't think God loves you. Let me tell you two things that can fix that, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus fixed you thinking that you can get to God on your own by allowing you to put your faith in him so that you can get to God. But if you think too low of yourself, Jesus Christ got on the cross to upgrade you into being in a relationship with God and you to think soberly about yourself. If you're here and you want to place your confidence in Jesus, you want to say yes to him and go from spiritual disconnection to spiritual connection, place your faith in him. Place your confidence in him by saying, Jesus, I, I know that I can't save myself and I know that I can't bring myself into a relationship with God. I'm a sinner and I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your strength. And I want to place my confidence in you. I confess that you died on the cross and got up from the grave for me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you acknowledge that by faith, then you've placed your confidence. You made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Our search team online, they have an email and they email us and let us know that you place your confidence in Jesus. I want us to prepare our hearts and minds for communion. Communion is, a, again, we do every Sunday, and I hope it doesn't become being done by rope. It's a part of what's called liturgy, <clears throat> the way we do worship. It's one of those, what we call ordinances, or it's a sign of the new covenant. And it's a sign that we're in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And we have to always be reminded of that. <laughs> we have to always be reminded that we're in a relationship with him. And he wanted us to do this in order that it would constantly cause us to pause and think about him, think about the fact that he came, and think about that he's coming again. But it also is for us to think about how we're living our lives now. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took 
the bread, the unleavened bread. Gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body which is given for you. If you're a believer, let us eat together. Then he took the cup later. He said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. If you're forgiven by Jesus, let us drink together. Lord God, mighty one, excellent one, great God of all creation, we cast our cares upon you because we know that you care for us. We know that your love is everlasting and from everlasting to everlasting, you are definitively God. God, I pray, Lord God, that those of us who are believing you for insurmountable things that you have given to us and placed in our stewardship, whether it's a person, place, thing, or idea. Whatever it is, Lord God, will you be exalted through it? <sighs> will you be honored in it? And God, will you help us to steward it well? But most of all, Lord God, help us to get in prayer about it and deliver it to you in power. And God, we know that anyone that puts confidence in you will never be disappointed. Oh God, help us not to be disappointed. And Lord God, this week, help us to jot some stuff down that you will take in your hand and do more with it than we can do for ourselves. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think according to the power that's at work in you. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and to all generations. Everybody agree with that said? Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Take care. Have a good one. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.